Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. second week of Friday Night Lights. I want to thank Coach Blankenship and Coach Riggs both um, for being willing just to let us sit down and ask them some questions that go along so well with this series. And today I want to talk to you about this, losing when you should win, losing when you should win. And all of us have seen it, whether it be a high school team on Friday Night Lights whether it is Saturday college football, that's the one that really stands out a lot to me. We've got the better team. We know our team should win, and yet an upset happens, right? And they lose, and they lose bad, and it's embarrassing, and you're like, how could this happen? And, and, and there's so many examples about this, whether it's your team, whether it's your rival, um, of when you shouldn't have won, when you shouldn't have lost, but you did some of the best upsets or greatest upsets of the last 10 years in college football are as followed. OU losing to Boise State in 2007 to the statue. I hate you all, um, but we'll work on that next week. Um, I still hate the Statue of Liberty play. I'm like, you've got to call it something else. Um, but um, Michigan losing to Appalachian State in 2007. How? How does that happen, right, Michigan fans? Iowa State beating Oklahoma State in 2011. Sooners, where are you at? Um, but, okay, thank you. Um, there you go. Because Oklahoma State, I mean, national champions, number two, I mean, you remember, right? Purdue beating Ohio State in 2018, right? And, and, and we, we all remember those times, those moments when our team shouldn't have lost but they did. And what do we do? Fire the coach. Get rid of the quarterback, right? Like, like burn the whole barn down. We're done. And we're yard selling it. And we're talking and threatening that we're not going to be an OU fan or an OSU fan. Or, and you're going to be. Calm down, right? Like Everybody just settle down. Calm down. That's the emotions. Why do we get so upset? Because we knew we had the better team. We knew we shouldn't have lost. We should have won, but we lost instead. And what happens is what is true in football what is true and what happens on a Friday night, what happens on a Saturday afternoon happens in life for us as well. And there are many times, there are areas of our life we know we should win. We know we should do better. We know we shouldn't do what we are doing, and yet we do it anyways, and we're losing in certain areas, in certain arenas, in certain aspects of our life, when we know we were created to do better. 
We, we know, here's, here's the deal. Today's message, I'm not going like, to like specifically talk about things that are wrong. We know what we're doing is wrong most of the time. You don't need me to tell you how you are conducting and how you're living your life is wrong. What happens is we sometimes just don't know how to stop it, right? Like, I don't want to do this. And here's what I love. Today our text is found in Romans chapter 7. And it is from the Apostle Paul in maybe one of the most real, raw, honest moments of his entire life. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, here's what Paul says. He says, I don't really understand myself. I think a lot of us relate to that. Right? I, I, don't, I don't get myself. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. We're going to come back to that verse in just a second. I don't want to do, I, I want to do the right thing. I want to win. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I do what I loathe. Verse 16, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. And verse 19 is one of my favorite scriptures just because it's so confusing. I want to do what is good, but I don't, and I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. That sounds like me talking just normal. <laughs> but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. And I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Here's what I want to tell you. We're going to go back to verse 15 in just a second, if you can put it up there. If you keep beating yourself up because you keep finding yourself doing what you know is wrong, breathe for just a moment. All right, relax for just a moment because you're in good company because Paul was in the same boat. And this isn't Paul like before when he was sold. This is Paul in the present. This is an apostle. This is a follower of Christ. This is a guy that, that most of us would agree has it pretty well figured out and had it pretty much all together. And Paul is saying this, man, I, I, I keep doing what I hate. And I want to give you three like really quick fortune cookie moments right here from verse 15. You know, you open the fortune cookie up and it's got just this little boom hit with you and you're like, ooh, that hit deep, right? So I want to give you three real big things that comes from this verse. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. The first one is this, knowledge of the rules isn't the answer. Knowledge of the rules isn't the answer. Just because you know what is right, that doesn't mean you're going to do what is right. And just because you know what is wrong doesn't mean that you're not going to do what is wrong. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean you will do it. And just because you know what not to do doesn't mean you won't do it. Knowing the rules, knowing right from wrong isn't enough for you to win when you shouldn't lose. The second thing is this, self-determination. Struggling in one's own strength doesn't equal success, doesn't succeed. Most of us think if I can be strong enough, right, if I can be disciplined enough, if I can be talented enough, if I can be knowledgeable enough, then that will be enough. But what did Paul say? He said, 
I don't do what I do. In fact, I do what I, and he said, hate. What he loathes. I, he's doing things he hates and he loathes, not because he's not strong, because he, he realized I'm struggling in here and it is still not enough. You being strong and capable enough ain't enough. Understand that. The third thing is this. Becoming a Christian doesn't erase all temptation. Boy, do I wish it would. Becoming a Christian doesn't erase all temptation. I say it this way all the time. Meeting Jesus is easy, but following him takes effort. Right? Salvation happens in a moment. Just like that. In fact, in first service, we had two people experience salvation in just a moment. And I met two people after that that didn't raise their hand that said, hey, we didn't know what was going on, but we prayed that prayer too. So we had four people in first service that just met Jesus for the first time, right? It happens like that. It happens in a moment. But being a follower of Christ and becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. And man... Temptation doesn't just go away when you become a Christian. There's always going to be adversity. And Coach Riggs said this. He says, adversity is a part of life. It's all about how you respond to it. And how are you responding to the adversity you are facing? How are you responding to the temptation that is in your path? And today I want to give you two things that will help you win when you should win and not lose. The first one is this. Understand one moment isn't your whole life, whether good or bad. If you're going to win when you should win and not lose when you should win, you have to understand this principle and this truth. One moment, one snapshot, one choice isn't the whole journey. It isn't your whole life, whether that was a good choice, a good moment, or a bad choice and a bad moment. When you look in the Bible and you start reading the Bible, when we read about Paul, most of us, when we hear about Paul, we think greatest missionary ever, greatest church planner ever. We don't think about him being Saul and being this huge persecutor. That's not the first thing that comes to our mind, hopefully. We don't think that he was pretty heavily involved in one of those responsible for stoning and killing a man who was a godly man named Stephen. No, no, no. We think of Paul, the guy that wrote half the New Testament, right, and planted all these churches, encouraged followers, and this still having an effect today. When I say the, the, the apostle Peter, most of us think about the disciple, that Peter was one of the three inner disciples that really Jesus hung out with, that he was one of Jesus' favorites, that he helped establish the early church. He was one of the head disciples. We don't think of him in the moment of denying Jesus three times, right? That was a moment. That wasn't the whole story. And thank God, and thank God the moment isn't the whole story. Today, if you're here and you've blown it and you've messed up and you've screwed up, hear me. The moment isn't the whole story, thank God. Thank God you aren't defined by your mistake and your sin and your screw up and you've fallen short. But here's what happens. Is a lot of times we hear that and we're like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Thanks, Justin. I'm, you know, I, I, next, next, I got it. But we don't got it, right? To use some really bad English. We don't got it. In fact, I love what Lincoln Riley said. He goes, a lesson is only a lesson if you learn from it. 
right? A lesson's only a lesson if you learn from it. And for some of us, we've made bad choices and we've made bad moments and we've lost when we should have won. And the tragedy isn't that we made a bad choice, it's that we haven't learned from it. And our bad choice isn't self-contained to one bad choice. Our bad moment isn't self-contained to one bad moment because what I've discovered, it's a lot easier to, to recover from one bad choice and one bad moment, but when you allow your bad choice and your bad moment to keep having babies, to keep reproducing, it's really hard to recover from multiple bad choices and bad moments. Because here's the tendency, we allow a bad moment to become part of our culture. We allow a bad moment. It's one thing to be upset. It's another thing for a football team to keep losing games they should be winning. It's gotten into their DNA and part of their culture. And some of you, you keep doing what you know you shouldn't, and you're like, I got it. I know I should do better. But it's still in your culture. It's getting to be part of your lifestyle and your habits. And the challenge is don't let one moment continue to trip you up and keep turning into a lifestyle and a culture and a DNA that is in your life. The other thing is this. If a bad moment doesn't define you, neither does a good one. If a bad moment doesn't get to define you, neither does a good one. Many of you know our staff members, Greg Fisher, Fish, our business director, and Michael Ballard. If you don't know who they are, here's a current picture of them with their wives. Robin is Fish's wife, and Aubrey and Owen right there with Michael, both good-looking guys. Um, I love both of these guys. I love their families. They're fantastic. And I asked them to send me a picture of their senior portraits, and here's what they sent me, right? Woo! Look into them eyes, baby. Like you're about to get lost if you keep looking into Michael Ballard's eyes. I'm just going to tell you. I think Michael Ballard's at a glamour shot portrait. Fish looks like he should have a pipe, right? And here's what I love. This is a moment in their life, right? When they're around 18 years old, there's one major thing that you're going to notice that I notice. They have hair. But here's what I love about both of these guys. Both of them are bald now. They have no hair. None. Zero. And they didn't do this. Well, because I don't have good hair like flowing locks like my senior year, I'm just going to throw it all away. They didn't say because it's not good like it used to be, then I'm not even going to try. No, go back to the other picture. Here's what they look like right now. They're still good-looking guys. Can we give it up to them for being good-looking guys? They still got a little bit of a fashion sense because they let them wives dress them, right? I mean, they both, men, we all do it, right? Does this go? No, go back, right? I mean, they look great. They've got beautiful wives and a beautiful family, and good things are happening. Why? Because they didn't throw it away and say, my, my hair days were my good days, right? And I'm not going to let my, my, I can't have my hair days anymore. I'm not going to have any more good days. And here's what I would tell you. Some of us, if we are not going to let our bad moments define us, we can't rest on our good moments either. And some of us, we think, oh, I've heard people say this to me. You should have seen me when I was a teenager and how fire, how on fire for God I was. 
You should have seen me in college. You should have seen me the moment I met Jesus. Man, I was so passionate for God. I was so on fire for God. Couldn't stop reading. I couldn't stop praying. All I listened to was worship music. And my question is this, what happened? What occurred? What moved? Because here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And the truth is, some of us, we have drifted away from being the person we once were, and we know we should still be. There's a part in Revelation chapter 2, where the Lord is talking to the church in Ephesus, and Ephesus is doing good stuff. They're a good church. They're a healthy church. And he's talked about, man, you've done all this stuff and all these things, but in verse 4 he says this, but this is what I have against you. You do not love me now as you did at first. And some of us, I wonder how familiar and how relevant is this verse to your life? That you just, you're not as passionate as you once were. You're not in love with him as much as you once were. It's something you, you, you know you should be doing, right? But Paul said, I, I don't do the things I know I should do, and the things I know I shouldn't do, I keep doing. Why don't we keep doing what we know we ought to do? Because we are letting our life be defined on who we used to be instead of who we are now. And God's not so much concerned about who you were, man, he's worried about who are you being? What are you following and what are you running after? And the question today is who are you being and what are you running after? Because if you're going to win when you're not supposed to lose, understand a moment doesn't mean your whole life, whether good or bad. What's your life look like right now? And if something has moved and if something has changed in not a good way, I can promise you this, God didn't move. You did. God didn't drift away. You did. God didn't keep making excuses. You did. And if anything's going to get better, we got to get real about where we are. The second thing about how not to lose when you should win is this, is stop replaying the defeat and start focusing on the victory God has for you. Stop replaying the defeat of all that you shouldn't have done, all that you messed up, and start focusing on the victory God has for you. What I have realized is some of us, the reason we can't get past our past is we've never let our past pass. We've never let our past pass. And if you keep bringing up your past, i got news for you, you haven't let it pass. If you keep bringing up all the defeats from your past and you keep letting other people define you, if you are still hanging out with people that are defining you from your past defeats, you got to find a new crowd if you're ever going to become who God has called you to become. If you're going to get past your past, you've got to let it pass. Or in the words of the wise old woman, Elsa, let it go, let it go, let it go. It's as much as I can give you today. When I was in ninth grade, um, I played football and basketball, and my, my, my love was football. I loved playing football. And if I'm going to be Really honest, I was a pretty good football player. 
just from me to you. I, I know, I know it doesn't look like much, but I was actually a better football player than I was a basketball player. But I stopped playing my ninth grade year, and here's why. Our last game that we played as ninth graders, we were going against our rivals, went to Hefner Junior High, the Vikings, and we were going against uh, uh, Central Junior High. And the tight, I was a tight end. The defensive end that was lined up against me was the best defensive end. He was the best defender in our district. They worked with me all practice. Skeletor, you got to get this guy. Skeletor, you got you to practice. That's my nickname. I was okay with Skeletor. It was a lot better than Screech. At least Skeletor was bony, but he had some muscles too. So I was like, okay, I'll live with Skeletor, right? And so they were working on it, working on it, working on it. First possession of the game. We've worked all practice about block schemes and pass routes, all these things. First possession of the game. My defense, the defensive end right across from me blows me up. I mean, knocks me on my butt, runs right past me, sacks our quarterback, blindsides him, the ball spits out. They pick the ball up, they run it in for a touchdown, and I'm just kind of like, I don't want to go to the sideline. Like, I don't want to go see my coaches. I don't want to go see my teammates because I screwed up. Right? It was on me. But here's the crazy thing. The rest of the game, I had a great game. I caught a touchdown for a pass for a touchdown. I sealed my guy two to three separate times that led to a touchdown with our running back. He never sacked our quarterback. I did great blocking the rest of the game. But here's what happened. Because I screwed up so much at the beginning, I didn't go to the end of watching uh, game film. I didn't want to see that. I didn't want to see game film. I didn't want everybody to say, there you go, Graves. Way to go, right? I didn't go to the celebration. I didn't get my letter in football. And I never played another down. And the reason is because all I kept replaying was how much I messed up. And what was everybody else going to think and what was everybody else going to say? And what is amazing to me is how glaring our mistakes and our failures are and how we can focus and we can replay. Because I could ask you, where'd you screw up? What have you done wrong? Where were you embarrassed? And every single one of us in this place would have a story. Every single one of us online would have a story that we could tell. And it's amazing how we keep replaying and we focus on the failures instead of where God and our, our successes and where God has brought us to. And for some of us, the reason we keep losing when we should win, it's because we keep replaying our defeats and our failures instead of focusing on where God is taking us. And I say it this way. Some of us, we're still stuck in chapter 7 instead of moving on to chapter 8. You're stuck, and this is who I am. I don't understand myself. I know I should be better. I know life should be better. I know I should do better, but I always do what I don't want to do. I know I shouldn't keep struggling with this addiction. I know I should keep making better choices. I know, I know, but I can't do it, and that's where you want to stay stuck. And yet Christ didn't come for you to stay stuck in chapter 7. He came that you would move into chapter 8 type living. It says this, Romans chapter 7, verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank 
God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But Romans 8, verse 1. So now, there is a transition that is happening. That's who I was. That's what I struggled with. But now, that is, this is different than what is before. So now, there is no condemnation. You're no longer guilty. You're no longer condemned for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Right? And verse 2 says this, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads you to death. Hear me, if you belong to him, then your life should be led by him. And that's where the great disconnect is. If you belong, the Bible is saying this, thank God that the answer isn't in me being strong enough, bright enough, smart enough, disciplined enough, but the answer to me becoming a chapter eight type follower of Christ and not continuing to lose when I know I should win is found in my relationship and what Christ Jesus did on a cross for me, but it doesn't end there. And because I belong to him, now I'm not following my sinful led nature, my, my feelings and my emotions and the temptation of the moment, but I am allowing my life to be led by his spirit. And yet, that's where a lot of us aren't. We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our life. If today you said, hey, Justin, I need you to come over to my house and cut a tree down. Here's what I would not show up with. Right? I would not show up with this saw and be like, I I'm here to cut your tree down. We're going to take care of it. We're going to haul it down. Here's what would happen. And somebody's going to do this today, but you can't cut a tree down with that saw. And I would wear myself out trying to prove you wrong, right? I'd be like, I'm going to do it, right? right? And some of you are like, put the saw, put the sharp object down, Justin, and walk away. <laughs> no, no, no. If I came to your house, I would bring my chainsaw, right? This is fun to use. Let's just be honest, this sucks. Because there's power here, right? This is all grunt and effort, but there is power and there is just results that happens here. And here it is. This is you leading your life and this is the Holy Spirit filling your life and leading it. There's a total difference that happens. And some of you are like, well, Justin, you're talking about my life being full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. That's a little weird. Hear me today. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. It's true. We got some weird people in this, this world. Not in this church. And we have minimized what the Holy Spirit is all about because some people have made it weird. How crafty is Satan? Is your life full of the Holy Spirit? Because if it's full of the Holy Spirit, it's not about you trying, but it's about His Spirit making your life powerful and victorious. It's about Him guiding and leading and directing your life. And this is where a lot of us have missed it and why we keep losing when we should win because we're trying to do it by our might and by our power. But the Bible says this, it's not about my 
my might, not by my power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And if you belong to him, baby, you better be full of him and led by him because when that happens, you stop losing and you stop losing when you should be winning and he leads you to victory and your focus isn't about all that you've done wrong and all that has gone wrong, but you start focusing on the victory that God is bringing your way. There's going to be adversity in your life, absolutely. But how are you going to respond to it? You better be full of him and led of him so that you can live the life he's called you to lead. And that is a way, way better way to live your life if you will allow him to lead you in his path and in his plan for you. Let's pray today. Jesus, we love you. And God, there are so many of us, we're tired, we're upset, we're angry, we're like Paul, we're disgusted with ourselves. we don't even understand, we don't even understand ourselves sometimes, because what we know we shouldn't do, we, we know it. The way we know we shouldn't conduct our life, we know it. But we do it anyways. And what we know we should do, we don't do. Some of us are stuck in chapter 7 living. And we think, oh, this is as good as it gets. Maybe that's as good as it gets when we're in control. But Lord, we belong to you. And the answer to our life isn't being more disciplined. The answer to our life isn't a new book. The answer to our life isn't praying harder. But the answer to our life is Jesus Christ and what you did on a cross that brought salvation, but even more so when you rose from the grave three days later that brought power and fulfillment and victory to our lives. And your word says the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit lives in us and makes us victorious. So why would we not allow our lives to be full of your spirit and to be led by it? That's a, that's a way better way for us to live our life. And so Holy Spirit, and we open our hearts we hope in our lives to you. And we say, come fill us with your presence. Come fill us with your power and your wisdom and your direction. Lord, as this song that we sang says, become everything, not just something, but become everything to our life and lead us and direct us because Lord, when we are full of your Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, when you're leading and guiding and filling our lives, it always leads us to victories that are way bigger than we could ever accomplish on our own. That's us. When you talked about how you came that we may have life and have it to the full, that's the full life that many of us have been missing out on. So fill us. All we have to do is ask for you to fill our lives and guide our lives, and Lord, that it's done on a daily basis, let that be the result of our life. Let that be the result of this day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, there was something Coach Blankenship said about when things have gone wrong, 
when you've lost or things aren't going your way, he said this, it's what he calls the one and oh. We take one thing at a time. It's not about what has happened before or what has happened after. It's all about that and this moment, this one and oh moment. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is for some of us our one and oh moment. Right here, right. It's not about what has happened before today and before this moment, and it's not necessarily what's going to happen after this moment. Today, if you're here, this is the moment you've got to own for your life, for your life to get back on track, for you to start winning and being led into that victorious life. This is your moment that you have to get real. You have to get honest. You have to have five seconds of crazy, crazy courage and own this moment. And today, if you're here or you're at home watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or today you need to recommit your life because you've drifted and your life isn't where it should be, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you to own that moment. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. Own this moment. One, two, Three, is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You join this hand that's lifted. You, yep. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands today and you say, this is the moment. I've got to own this moment. If everything else is going to get on track, this is the moment I got to get real and understand God has a victorious life for me to live and it is this moment and you understanding and stepping up and owning the moment. Is there anyone else before we go any further in this service? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. God, that I've drifted away, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill my life and lead my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.